thanks to our sponsor, Raygun. Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software. And what makes it so unique is that not only it tells you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit raygun.com to resolve issues faster and to deliver flawless digital experiences to your users. That's raygun.com to get started on your 14-day free trial with plans starting from as little as $4 per month. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 449. Today, CJ and I are going to continue with our Microsoft Cloud retrospection, introspection. (laughs) Today, we're going to look at our take on the state of Microsoft 365, recorded live March the 3rd, 2022. This episode is brought to you by Orchestry. Don't be fooled. Microsoft Teams and SharePoint are difficult. Microsoft Teams, when simply turned on, can be unruly and yield endless sprawl. SharePoint causes constant frustration with user interface and permissioning challenges. End the chaos and harness the full power of Microsoft Teams, SharePoint Online, and Microsoft 365 with Orchestry. Orchestry is the work-made simple platform that empowers end users through controlled self-service provisioning while delivering the actionable insights and lifecycle management your IT administrators need to enable remote and hybrid work productivity without locking down the powerful capabilities of Microsoft Teams and SharePoint Online. See why so many are claiming Orchestry to be the must-have Microsoft Teams management tool of 2021. Get your free access to Orchestry with full featured trial at orchestry.com and tell them the Microsoft Cloud Show sent you to get the all the friends of the show perks. Back to the show. Good morning, CJ. How's it going today? I need an introspection on my thighs after a week of skiing. Oh, I was going to ask you, what have you been up to the last week? (laughs) Yeah, I'm back. I was away last week with the family skiing up in uh, the Great White North, uh, Canada, in the Canadian Rockies, which was nice. It was so cold. We got down to minus 17 Fahrenheit, which is, uh, gosh, I don't know what the calculation is in metric in Celsius, I mean. Can't remember what that is, but anyway, it was chilly, very, very chilly, but we had a great time. Beautiful bluebird days, and but my legs were very, very upset at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I mean, at least you had a good time. Um, yeah, we had a great that, time. That's good. That's yeah, good. Day one was great. I could hardly walk at the end of the day, though. Day two was a little bit painful, and three and four were great. Like, you know, you're, it's actually surprising how fast your body bounces back from a shock. And... um I mean, I was, they were tired, but they kept operating. Like I could, I could walk, which was good. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What's been going on? Well, you were freezing. I was nice and warm. I went down to um, St. Petersburg last weekend for three days of a race weekend, St. Petersburg, Florida, and where it was warm and it was nice. We went down <laughs> yeah, for the glad first- it was Florida. Yeah. No, not Russia. We're not going to go there. Sorry. We're not going to go there meaning the topic we're just gonna leave it there anyway so yeah. <laughs> well either way yeah it works either way however you want to play it but yeah it was the first weekend of the indycar season so got three days of watching 
a bunch of GT, GT cars race, Mazda Miatas, Indy Lights, the, another Indy series called the USF 2000, and then the Indy car series. And it was a lot of fun just walking around. I tell you, one of the coolest things, I guess it was three days of racing. The weather was perfect. It was like lows in like the low 60s Fahrenheit, high at like 80, 83, something like that. And it was strange this year because all the racing was done by like 2.30 or 3.30 in the afternoon. Mm. So 2.30, nice and breezy. And me and my sister-in-law and her partner and two other people jumped on their, her sailboat and we went out sailing in the in Tampa Bay and went out nice. for a couple hours. And it was really light wind for the first bit of it. But, and like, we were like five minutes past the jetties and she's like, do you want to drive? And I drove the whole freaking time or is it the helm the entire time? Yeah. So, and that's about, awesome. We were about 45 minutes. We had, we tacked, we were coming back in and right as we're about to come in, like the wind picks up to like 11 knots and she's like, now let's have some fun. Let's tack. Let's go back out. And so we like, turn around, like, <laughs> looked at the other people, like, can you keep going? Like we keep going. So we turn around, head back out and went out for another hour and came back. So it was a lot of fun. We got up to, I think 11 knots ground, uh, speed over ground. Yeah. That's awesome. It's so, actually pretty quick in a yacht. You know? it, we were moving. Yeah. It was. I think she's got a thirty-four or thirty-nine foot Pearson. Yeah. That's a decent so, clip. Yeah, yeah, it was good. We were moving. We had it. I had it sitting up at about ten degrees. It was a killer. It was. Oh, it was a lot of, a lot of fun. So That's awesome. Yeah, it was great. Good food. So while your legs were hurting, I think my liver was hurting for a good bit of the weekend. It was a. We had a nice time <laughs> without the kids and just some adult time. So. <laughs> Yeah. It was good. It was like, it was my birthday weekend. So it was like, good that's getaway. exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, happy so, birthday on the, on the show as well, by the way. Oh, well, thank you very much. I Another trip it. around the sun. Yeah. It was a great way to finish the weekend. I, I spent my birthday driving back. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Fair. Hey, so I will tell you that one of the coolest things about it, the, the weekend, and you would have enjoyed this too, in uh, practice two, which was about two and a half hours before the qualifying time. Um, practice two, there were four wrecks. Pretty substantial cars got mm. beaten up. And so I've got a good video. I should post this on YouTube of the cars coming in from practice. And so you have all the cars getting dragged in. Roger Penske's rolling by, Joseph Newgarden, all the, you know, uh, Mario Andretti, Michael Andretti, mm-hmm. all these guys is coming by. And um, then you see like the wreckers coming back, like tr- dragging the car or, you know, carrying the cars back. And, <laughs> yeah. I stood there and I watched them. I watched the Ganassi team rebuild Alex Pillow's entire back left and front wing. Well, the wing just got replaced, but the entire back end left totally replaced. And the same thing with Jack Harvey over in the uh, Ray Hall Letterman team, pull the entire left side off, like drive shaft, everything and rebuild the whole thing all in about two hours. And then get the car back out there for qualifying. It was, it was really cool to watch. It was really yeah. cool to watch it. That's so amazing. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot of fun, but that's not why people tuned in today. Today, CJ and I are going to talk about Microsoft 365. Last week in the last episode, episode 448, we talked about the state of Microsoft Azure, our two cents on it, our take, where we hoped it was going to go, etc. And today we're going to continue with that kind of two-part series and we're going to talk about Microsoft 365. But before we do that, I want to make sure we pay some bills and let one of our sponsors step in and tell them about the great stuff they have to offer. This episode is sponsored by ShareGate. 
Microsoft Teams can be a great tool for your organization. That is, before your users make your environment messier than eating a hard shell taco. And that's where ShareCake comes in. Their user-friendly tools automate the tedious daily tasks involved in migrating, managing, and securing Microsoft Teams so that you can maintain a safe and productive environment without locking it down. Head over to ShareGate.com for your free 30-day trial and transform the way that you manage your Microsoft Teams. And we're back. Okay, CJ, today we're going to talk about Microsoft 365. Just a small topic. Just a small topic, a huge <laughs> part of Microsoft's business now. And it's amazing how far they've come. I mean, I was looking back at some, some dates of it. Office 365, which was the predecessor to Microsoft 365, according to... Wikipedia, it launched in June of 2011. And then the real, the change to the Microsoft 365 branding happened in the middle of the year in 2017, about the same time that they released Microsoft Teams. So we're looking at something here that is about 11, about 10 and a half, 11 years old. And to see how much this business has grown into being, you know, multi billion dollar business. It's quite impressive. Now, granted, it didn't it didn't just start from absolutely nothing. They had a bunch of stuff that was already already there. We'll get into that. We had things like SharePoint that was all an on-prem product. Um, they had a product like a OneDrive that was mostly on the consumer side, but it was also its own standalone thing. And they were so they were bringing some existing business together, but there's very little that they could just say we're going to shift from this old product to a new product. They're just they had to have a lot of people migrate from their old investments into their new investments. If you were a SharePoint on-prem customer, there was no just one-click button, hey, it works in 365. No. You know, there was definitely an onboarding process. So it's quite impressive to see what they've done in 10 plus years. Oh yeah, for sure. And you know, I was just sort of I was just taking a pause and thinking back, you know, now we call it Microsoft 365. Previous it was Office 365. Before that it really started its life as a thing called BPOS, mm-hmm. which was really and then before that, I'm going to get the name of it. It had something to do with managed desktop or managed something services. But this all started with Energizer, the company. And really? Microsoft, yeah, Microsoft want, stepped into Energizer one day and said, we, we can run your infrastructure better than you can. Let us run your infrastructure for productivity and all that, Exchange and SharePoint and all that. And so Microsoft started these... I can't remember what it was, managed desktop, managed something. I can't remember what it was called. Started running parts of Energizer, you know, the battery company, Mm -hmm. running their infrastructure for them, including Exchange and things like that. And it sort of grew from there. And that's what ultimately became BPOS or BPOS came out of, I should say, probably it's not became, came out of. And that included Exchange, SharePoint, Office Communications Online, Microsoft Forefront and Office Live Meeting. Remember that? Mm. That was an acquisition from a company called Placeware, I believe it was. But yeah, anyway, that's right. yeah. And so if you think about that, like this was back in, so BPOS had Exchange 2007 and Moss 2007 in it, mm. I believe, back then. But back in 2010, Barmer gave, Steve Barmer gave a speech at, at Washington University and said, the cloud fuels Microsoft and vice versa. About 75% of our folks are doing entirely cloud-based or an entire or are doing entirely cloud-based or entirely cloud-inspired. A year from now, that'll be 90%. And so this was like this big, remember Steve Barmer's thing was we are all in on the cloud? Yeah. Yep. Like all in. It was like all in. 
I love this company. All in. <laughs> right? And, yeah, and then he'd get sweaty and chest bump everybody and then, like, chug honey out of a honey bear. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, that was one of my first memories of Microsoft was Steve Barmer drinking honey straight from a honey bear on stage oh to try God. and keep his voice from failing. And then running around the crowd, it was an internal Microsoft conference in New Orleans, and running around the crowd and, and like high-fiving people and chest-bumping people. And he just, he ran up and like the two people, him and this woman ran together, jumped up in the air and chest-bumped. And she, he just absolutely flattened her. Like, <laughs> like, it was like a hard hit in the NFL. You know, <laughs> like you got 30,000 people in an arena because it was about 30,000. You could just hear this like, ooh. <laughs> but she got up apparently anyway sorry where was i going with that oh yeah and he, sure. was from a, and he was drinking from a honey bear but so anyway my point was like 2010 but that's that's a long time ago that's like yeah what's that 12 years ago almost yeah. yeah yeah i guess 12 years ago yeah not almost so 12 years ago we started to talk about really the change at microsoft about the change to cloud and it really becoming a big thing and then you think about the progress that Office 365, as I still call it Office 365, this whole Microsoft yeah. malarkey is like BS to me. But anyway, <laughs> what Office 365 has become is such a long way from what we had back then, which was really just a cobbled together set of on-prem products being run by Microsoft in the cloud for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, it's come a long way and they've done, I mean, it's so much the company now. It's not, you know, it's what, what's such impressive about it or what's so like, uh, one of the things that's very impressive about it, I guess, to me is that it's not just how far they've come with Microsoft 365 or Office 365, but how much the company has really changed and how so much of their attitude towards the cloud, specifically in the collaboration space from the Microsoft 3 or the Office you know, division, the product, the, what's that division called? The uh, collaboration uh, business or... I forgot what the name was. Productive what, Cloud or something. I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But how <laughs> everything is built, it's all cloud first. It's all cloud native. I mean, there's no, so much of their stuff is like, if we're going to do something on-prem, it's an afterthought. It's not what their primary their primary focus is. You look at something like Microsoft Teams, it's entirely online, right? You can't do that as an, on, as an on-prem standalone option. At least if that's my understanding. That's, the, that's my understanding. Exchange is, you know, probably is built, you know, for cloud primarily. It's just how much of their business has really changed. OneDrive, same thing. Absolutely. How much of their business has really changed with this and, and how intertwined everything is. So, I mean, in one sense, from the engineering side, it's got to make their lives a lot easier than trying to integrate all these different products and just knowing that, hey, everything's running, everything's up and everything's in the cloud, everything's running just fine, provided Azure AD is up. So, you know, we're they're in good shape. And they don't have to worry about, you know, if you have this product and build it on top of this or like where it used to be like project server. And then you had to stamp a SharePoint server for project server to work. And, and how do you connect exchange and, and SharePoint online? I've had, I've had a yeah. couple of customers of my company have reached out in the last, it, it's weird in the last, like probably in the last month, I've had like four people. It's been four years since I've got this question. I've probably had four people ask it the same last month is, Hey, do you have, where's your setup guide for um, building a SharePoint virtual machine? I'm like, Oh my really? God, the, the thing that I did for critical path training, like that was like, here's how you install Windows and DNS and all the networking stuff and SharePoint and SQL and uh, Active Directory and all that crap that you had that just exchange and everything, all that crap to get it. Where, yeah, yeah, where's that, where's that guide? I'm like, 
Dude, I have no idea. Yeah. Go check Critical Path Training. In Critical Path Training, the domain doesn't even exist anymore. It's even down. So I'm like, I don't even know where to send you. I don't even have the PDF anymore. Dude, you know, it's so old now that it's like my Palm Pilot. People are doing it for retro, retro lols. I don't think they're doing that for retro lols. <laughs> <laughs> the Palm Pilot, yes. I don't think like retro, I don't think they're doing this. Like, you don't think up setting up a SharePoint VM is retro lols yet? That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> that doesn't no, it really doesn't. Like, there's nothing <laughs> enjoyable about that. No, I mean, building really like isn't. a classic car sounds fun, but like, hey, let's go through and let's do like, I don't yeah. know, let's go build a computer with vacuum tubes. That sounds more fun than trying to get like a SharePoint on-prem server working in a VM with all the stuff you need to make it. I really want to make this up and running. I've got a really powerful PC. I'm like, that's great, dude. Me too. It's called Azure. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so I got a little. I got a little story. Speaking of trying to get on-prem things working, in this case, it's in the cloud, but I want to tell you a little story about that. You've probably heard this from me before, but like the first, I was working in the SharePoint team when BPOS was around. And when back then BPOS ran it themselves, it was a separate team. The SharePoint team, for example, had nothing really to do with BPOS at the time. I mean, there was a little bit of questioning and support and stuff like that, but it was a whole separate team. The SharePoint team didn't run the SharePoint part of BPOS. That's not how it used to work, but it became such a big thing. They were asking so many questions and came a big support thing, right? You know, they wanted more features. They wanted better support and things like that, that somebody finally got put on the project from the SharePoint team. And my understanding is that when I was involved in it was there was a guy, Zach Rosenfeld, who some people may have come across in their travels around SharePoint over the last 10 or 12 years or whatever it is. He's still at Microsoft, but Zach I believe was either the first person from the SharePoint team who was put on as the SharePoint cloud guy, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was BPOS at the time, or he was certainly the first I came across. Anyway, his job was to basically like make things, make teams in the SharePoint team think about the cloud and also take requests and feature requests and all that from the BPOS team to make sure that SharePoint was implementing the stuff that would help them run better. And so I can imagine that was happening around the company. Probably the best people that were in this position were the Exchange team who had already been thinking about, you know, cloud hosting Exchange and stuff like that for quite some time. But, you know, the other teams, this was sort of their first foray into the cloud. But I vividly remember Zach being like the only guy working on it for quite a while. And then it sort of, then it sort of, he started like having little, 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 you know, like Zach replicas, like, then somebody else would join the team. And then suddenly it was probably, I don't know, maybe a year after that where Teeper, Jeff Teeper, put out an internal memo that it might've been earlier in the timelines are not super crisp in my mind, but put out a memo that said, you know, we are only going to build cloud first. Mm. And, you know, (laughs) they mentioned Zach was like, yay, I'm not like the, this is going to sound really bad, but I don't mean it in a bad way. But like the accessibility champion inside yeah. each team at Microsoft was kind of like that person that would go around and try to explain to teams why it was really important that accessibility features were included in their product. But they had all care, but no responsibility to get it done. Like yeah. they couldn't actually affect any change. They just had to go convince other people, yeah. right? Which in hindsight is really a bad thing. But at the time... It's like, it was, the, it's like the modern day like climate... Uh, the climate crisis, global warming, like going around to the different countries, like going, you need to do this. You need to do this. I have no yeah, power to actually do, do this. We need to get you to do it. Please do it. Exactly. Yeah. I have to, my job is to make you want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically anyway. So 
that was the accessibility guy and the SharePoint team for a while. And then, you know, Zach probably felt the same way about the cloud stuff. But then Jeff Teeper's memo came out and he was like, we are only going to be cloud first features and all of that. Everybody was shocked. Like, <laughs> oh, what? No way. Like, this is going to be crazy. But anyway, that was really the beginning for SharePoint and of being a cloud first product. And then you fast forward to now. And yeah, they're still doing like these sort of wonky on-prem updates every once in a while because mm-hmm. there's still quite a lot of it out there, but they definitely don't think that way. Yeah. It's amazing like how, how, how far they've come with that. I mean, you know, so your example there, you're talking about specifically around SharePoint, right? And SharePoint, like, and we look at the evolution of Microsoft 365 over the last 10 years, but I mean, you'd argue, I could argue like this has really been much more prevalent in the last like five years. Like SharePoint has really just kind of faded into the background. Yep. I mean, it's almost like a, the fabric of Microsoft 365. You know, so much to, OneDrive is based on is storing things like in the equivalent of what we used to know as, as SharePoint document libraries. We still know the SharePoint document libraries. Yeah, you know, all of micro, yeah. Microsoft Teams does not exist without SharePoint under the covers. Lists is just Microsoft Lists is is SharePoint under the covers, right? Yeah. So, I mean, so much of it, you see how much SharePoint has really changed. Viva, all of Viva stuff is all like Teams and SharePoint. So it's amazing like to see how much, like, how much this change has affected just one product. But then, you know, we've seen how in the last, this whole change started and you could argue going back to the BPOS days, but this current push really wasn't until the middle of, of 2011 with Office 365 and you know, when Microsoft really seemed to be pushing all of their chips in and really start to double down was probably five-ish years ago, four to five years ago in 2017. And that's when Microsoft got serious. I shouldn't say that because that sounds like they weren't really serious beforehand. But when they decided to really say, you know what, we're not going to, we need to have a solution that's going to counter what we, what the world is loving about Slack. They didn't have a really good collaboration place like what Slack was offering at the time. Their whole meeting story, their online meeting story with around you know live meeting or uh, unified communication server, you know, Skype for business, that was all still very kludgy. I mean, it kind of worked, it kind of didn't work. It was all, you're always paying that tax of, you know, are you connected? Can everybody hear me? All this kind of stuff. Or arguably, we still do it today. And then it was, so it wasn't really until 2017 when Microsoft made a huge, a huge flag in the ground and said, Now we're launching this thing called Microsoft Teams. And they started this whole battle with a bunch of competitors, specifically around Slack for collaboration space. And the battle is still continued with with Slack. We'll talk about that in a little bit more. But also looking at a product, uh, Zoom, which has become one of the big de facto standards for doing virtual meetings and doing webinars and having a whole bunch of stuff what was a big driver for collaboration during the pandemic. And when everyone started doing the work from home stuff, there were other solutions prior to this. There was a whole, was it GoToMeeting was an option back then right. um, as well. It still is today. I know Citrix had some offer and an offering around there as well. But Teams was really Microsoft's big push. I'm saying like, here, we, we want to have a, a collaboration offer that goes beyond what just SharePoint does. So it's not just collaboration like through a site, but we want to ha- make it to where people are much are collaborating together with each other, chat, video, et cetera, around with Teams. And they had those bits all separately in the past, right? So, you know, there was obviously SharePoint and, and collaboration sites. People really didn't collaborate much on those sites. They just mm-hmm. 
stuck things there like documents and lists and whatnot. But it wasn't like what we would consider real-time collaboration now, right? Right. And then they had, you know, Link, Microsoft oh, Link. Yeah. Yeah. Which you know, which was the voice and video and telephony side of things. That's what came out of like OCS and Office Communication Server and all that sort of stuff. And then Skype for Business and then Link, right? After the rebranding and things. And then it made sense eventually to go, well, hold on, you've got chats and video calls and all that sort of stuff, but you often are working with documents and presentations and things like that. So kind of bring them together under mm-hmm. one unified thing. And, and, um, it took Microsoft a little while, but in terms of timing, Teams, I think, was perfectly timed for the market. And what I mean by that is, like, if you think 2017 was quite a while ago now, it was when it was announced. And that gave it three solid years of development. Like, when it first came out, it sort of sucked, right? Like they all do, right? But mm-hmm. it gave it some good mileage on its belt before the rubber really hit the road with the pandemic. Yep. Right. And I remember the pandemic hit, people didn't think it was a pandemic, but it was like in March, 2020 or whatever it was, February, 2020. Teeper had just taken the job of now heading up SharePoint, OneDrive and Teams. And we interviewed him, right? I can't remember what episode number it is, but you know, he basically stepped into the craziest period of his career at Microsoft we're at the perfect storm of having the right tool at the right time and just skyrocketing scale was mm-hmm. was incredible. I can't remember when it was, but when did Salesforce buy Slack? I forget. Uh, uh, that's a good question. Because, you know, I've felt like since they've bought Slack, the sort of the collab war has died off. Yeah, we used to get, yeah, you know, Slack had TV ads. Remember those weird animals? Yeah. Like, there was that weird animal ad. Yeah. Like they learned nothing from the Microsoft dinosaur office ads <laughs> of the day that everybody was like, duh, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they, they were bought in December, 2020. There you go. Yeah. The, so they post pandemic or not post pandemic during the pandemic purchased by Salesforce. Yeah. That's when they announced it. And it was, it was completed in the middle of 2021. Yeah, that, yeah. It's, it's funny because it, yeah, that, it's a good point. I mean, the, the episode you're referring to that we did with Jeff Tiber, that was one of my favorite episodes we did because it wasn't so much about tech. It was more or less like, what's it like to, <laughs> what's it like to rebuild a Cessna as a or to build a you know a, a Boeing seven fifty seven as a seven forty seven jumbo jet? Oh yeah, while it's in flight with your entire team and all the, all the entire team on the plane at the same time, trying to yeah. figure it out. And other people still trying to get on. And you can't be in the plane. You've got to be hanging on on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just watch that whole thing of like how, how they had forced from home. That episode that we did with him was so much, was so interesting to see you, know, you are absolutely forced to the entire engineering team. Now you all got to go home. You all have to work from home because the pandemic started. And now we're all trying to figure out, you know, what is this? What's it going to be like? How do we, how are we going to go forward? And then at the same time, oh my God, we got, everybody's got to work from home. We need a collaboration space. We all collaborate on teams, but so is the rest of the world. Or so many, so, so is so much of the rest of the world. We need to scale this thing, but we can't get in the office. And it's, yep. how are we going to do this? And we got to still keep collaborating on the thing that we're trying to scale. It's like, oh my, talk about but dog fooding. They absolutely crushed it, right? Oh yeah. They did so well. Yeah. And that's, that has, you know, I think that's part of why 
you just, and I, I know you, and I'm going to say this and it's going to sound really dumb, but I don't hear about Slack anymore. And it's not, it's not because people don't use it. Lots of people use Slack, but it's not the big public battle that was going on between Slack and Microsoft Teams at the time back in 2020. And it's that noise has sort of largely died off from at least my perception. I don't know about, but I like, I don't see them fighting in New York Times anymore, right? Remember that? Stuart Butterfield wrote a, yeah, wrote a just a cringy, like, hey, welcome to the club. Like, yeah, we'll let you in kind of memo. <laughs> I, I think so. You know, I, I agree you don't really see the fight as much, but I think that things have kind of settled down. And I think that. I'm going to put three things in there. For me, it's Slack, Teams, and Zoom. And to me, they've all kind of like settled into their spaces. Carved out um, their own little spots. Yeah. yeah. And this is what, when we talk about predict or we talk about like, you know, wishes going forward type thing or what we hope to see with, with 365. This kind of, I'm going to touch on this a little bit. But to me, it seems that, I mean, Microsoft Teams is a great solution for enterprise. To me, yep. that's yep. like full stop, right? Yep. To me, the place where, Microsoft 365, specifically Teams, but Microsoft 365 as a whole is collaborating with other organizations, other tenants. When you're doing anything cross-tenant, yeah. the product has got so much, so many frustrations associated yeah. with it. I mean, so many of the products do. Sharing is sucked, you know, forever with OneDrive and SharePoint and Teams. Jumping between tenants is just is a crappy experience. I think, I mean, I hear what you're saying about you know, you don't really see the battles anymore, but I still see in my community, Slack and Zoom are still huge. I see, I do get people that complain about, oh, you know, Zoom isn't secure. It's like all that stuff's been taken care of. There's a time when you could have said that, you know, Microsoft wasn't secure either. And they, with all the viruses and malware and all that stuff that was going on. So, I mean, these things, they learn from stuff and they get, and things get better and they harden their systems. So I don't think that that's the case anymore, but I look at things like, you know, we look at Slack and how it's, how has Slack changed? And it hasn't, I think Slack is fantastic for people who don't need that, you know, super like secure, I shouldn't say that, but those walled gardens of tenants. And yeah, gotcha. Slack is a much better option for like intercompany communications. If, when I was you're trying, a, if I was starting a startup today, I'd be using Slack for sure. I bounce between Slack and Discord, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, okay. It's... But uh, yeah, I miss, I do, honestly, I miss Slack from yeah. Hyperfish days. And when we were acquired and, and we moved to the, <laughs> we moved to Teams, there were a lot of very unhappy people. Yeah. <laughs> I was I, like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> it, was, I, uh, it was quite funny. I, you know, the, those tools, all those tools, like they, they fit a certain mentality. I mean, they don't fit, they don't fit me. I do like, I think Slack is easier for me to use. I'm not a big fan of, I'm not a huge fan of Teams. I, I, I like it. I think it works great. I just think that the it's not good for people who like to do like deep work or deep thinking t- style work because it's just mm. it's so intrusive and interrupting. But regardless, I mean, I think that, yeah. So I think that, you know, Microsoft has done a good job with Teams. It's growing. It's very healthy. It's in a great place. I'm not a big fan of how it seems like Microsoft is trying to teamify everything in the world or have make get yep. everything somehow tied in Teams. And it's... That's to me. That's a frustration. That it's a gravity well. Microsoft a, has these that's shiny a great objects. Way to say it. Mm-hmm. They have these shiny objects that are like, you know, small to start with, but just have just massive amounts of gravity, and everything starts rolling towards them. And that's yeah, the gravity well thing, right? And Teams is kind of like that. It's been backing off a little bit. 
I think recently, but man, you know, when Microsoft gets those, those blinkers on, that's all I can think about. And so everything gets silver lightified at the time or teamified at the time or whatever it happens to be. Donetified at the time. Yeah. And so hopefully that, that will eventually, that'll eventually wear off, but you know, Teams has driven such a massive amount of growth inside 365 that, you know, I think it kind of deserves a lot of credit for the growth that Microsoft has experienced in the cloud, certainly from the beginning of 2020 onwards, and they handled it so well, right? Yeah. And it, I mean, it's perfect storm and they just rode that, rode it really, really well. Yeah. One other thing I'd like to say about 365 is the transition to the cloud from Microsoft. One of the most successful things has been on the financial side, right? Mm. They've transitioned a multi, multi, multi billion dollar business based on three-year renewal cycles of perpetual software yep. to a many more times multi, 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 multi billion dollar subscription business very successfully. And I think I've said it on the show a few times, but you know, behind the scenes, I think the next CEO of Microsoft is Amy Hood. And she was the, really the architect of Microsoft's transition to subscription revenue over the years. And I think she's, she's been, you know, the puppet master driving this whole transition and done it extremely well. Like it is a very enviable business by competitors, you know, envied by competitors around the world. And looking at the business, it's massively profitable. It's just an absolute cash cow printing machine. The fact that you could replace Windows as a cash cow with something in the, you know, in, the, in 10 years, like it's happened in 10 years time, right? Yep. For something, for Windows that started back in the 80s, right, really the 90s, I suppose, but has been replaced by 365 in terms of cash cow status at Microsoft, or at least joined in cash cow status, is pretty phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you look, when you say the multi, multi-billion dollars, I mean, it's, so it's, it's hard to, f- to slice the difference between Microsoft 365 revenue versus Azure revenue. Yeah. And I know that they, because they lop in Microsoft 365, Azure, Dynamics 365, and LinkedIn, they lop all those into yeah. one thing called the Microsoft Cloud. Yeah. And with their the last fiscal quarter that ended, their Q2, but the one that ended December 21st, sorry, December 31st of 2021, it was worth, uh, it accounted for $22.1 billion in revenue. Right. So, I mean, I don't think it's like a quarter, 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 but even if you looked at it as quarter, 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 you know, we're still looking at like $6 billion for Microsoft 365. My gut says that 365 is worth it, is pulling in over $10 billion of that 22. Easy. If not closer to 15. I would, I would suspect yeah. that it would be 365 is like the big one, Azure being a close second with... Mm. Dynamics 365 and LinkedIn coming in third and fourth. So I would yep. I would expect to see the, the vast majority coming from 365. So when we're looking at like, you know, two digit revenue, yep. uh, billions of revenue for for 365. Yeah. I, I mean, they mash it all together on purpose to make it obscure, but it's it's incredible the growth, even at, at an all up level, you know, just amazing. And continues to be a huge growth driver for Microsoft. Yeah. But you know, that will that over the years has become harder and harder, right? They've had to come up with new SKUs, new value to put in those SKUs to get people to upgrade, like, you know, E3 to E5, et cetera. Tons of pressure on continued growth, right? Which is 
the never-ending quest for continued growth, right? It's it's tough to maintain when you're at a business that size. Yep. But there are areas they suck at and there's plenty of room for growth, EDU being one. Yep. Like, you know, I don't know any kids that use 365 for EDU purposes. Oh, you do? Wow. Our kids do. Yeah, our wow. school district okay, does. Now you, there you go. You've, you've restored a little bit of humanity. Uh, <laughs> sorry, a bit, of, a bit of faith in humanity. But um, they, I mean, they've got a massive area in EDU to grow, right, versus Google. So there's another big area. And then small business, right? Small, 365 is really good for small business now, but you know, there's still a ton of opportunity in small business against Google for sure. I think, you know, that's the thing for me is like, you and I've talked about this a lot around Microsoft 365, Microsoft as a whole. And it seems everything is, and we even, we touched this a little bit in our last episode, we talked about Azure, you know, Microsoft's focus is enterprise. That's it. I mean, they, you can, you can have other offerings. There is a Microsoft 365 personal offering. There's a small business offering for Microsoft 365, but when it comes down to it, Microsoft is driven by enterprise business. That's they're wholeheartedly driven by enterprise business. That's where all the product development goes in. And to me, it, it it just seems like there's such an opportunity for small business. I'm a micro business. You know, I've got one employee myself. All of our mail is on 365. I'm on. I use Teams, but I don't use it. It's kind of, it's more like Microsoft Team singular because I'm the only one that uses it. Yeah, and it's a way to organize my OneDrive essentially. We don't use any of the chat stuff about it. We and the only kind of the only thing I use in the in the place in our teams where there's different chats is just where I subscribe to different things that automatically post messages into the chats. Is kind of like my filtered inbox in a way. But this is the part that I think is really frustrating with it is that using Teams to try and work with other organizations as a small business is an absolute nightmare for me. I mean, you, jumping between tenants and losing messages, and I mean, I, to the point where I just I feel like the easiest way. For somebody like me, a small business that works with multiple different organizations, the easiest way for me to work with teams is in every single tenant that I'm in, I have it perpetually set to show me as offline with a perpetual out-of-office message that says, if you're trying to reach me, use email. Otherwise, I might, I don't know when I'm going to see this. And it's all either one login or multiple logins. And I get it. This business isn't going to drive as much revenue to Microsoft as the enterprise business is. But yeah, it's it's an opportunity where I you could see things like taking a Dynamics 365, taking Microsoft Teams and Microsoft 365, and having a, an easier collaboration offering to be able to run your entire business on it. To have like a help desk offering and a customer service offering, like we have a 360 with Dynamics 365, but not having to bite off like the enterprise thing that you know a Best Buy is going to need for their CRM type stuff. Just small business offerings. That's where my hope I would love this. That's where one of my wishes I would love to see what Microsoft have a real focus on that. We talked about it with the Azure stuff in the last episode. I'd love to see them, you know, have a, a better small business offering or startup offering for Azure. It still just feels like, yeah, it's, it, it works, but it still feels like it's like, hey, we have this big offering here that we can actually give you small business for. You guys can try it out, but yeah, you don't really need that. It's like, you know, giving you a Ferrari to go to the grocery store. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it works great. I'd love to drive a Ferrari, but I don't need this. Yeah. Well, I need it, but I don't need that. <laughs> yeah. I'd go to, go to the grocery store in a Ferrari. I would too. I'd go to Starbucks <clears throat> nice. and go grab a coffee that way too. But, you know, whatever. That's, I guess, if I'm looking at like wishes and stuff, you know, where I would love to see 365 go is I'd love to see them have a really good concentrated effort that really focused on what the, the story and the experience 
not just the offering, but the experience for small business and making it easier to be able to navigate that stuff. And yeah, that's a place that they just don't, they, they just don't do a good job at it. It sure seems like that would be an opportunity for them and a growth opportunity. It would Um, require not shipping the org chart, right? hmm. You would end up having to have a bunch of pieces from all the bits of the puzzle under the hood come together in some sort of cohesive story and package. And that's, Microsoft's not good at that. You know, shipping the org chart is still apparent in 365 and and seeing the difference in experience and configuration and support and all of that. There are still those barriers there or disconnects, I should say. Some things I I would hope for, which is sort of going forward, EDU, like I said, I think huge opportunity for growth. I, I think in the last episode, it talked about Microsoft sort of sucking at EDU and small business. This continues that theme. They've never really been that good at it. Dev model and extensibility. I think hmm. Graph is totally crushing it. They're doing a really good job of with Graph, but extensibility across the suite is, uh, I mean, outside of SPFX, like there's not much doing, you know, and it's not something I've seen a lot of focus on or exciting developments in, I should say, yeah. for years. That's another area. And then additional apps. So, like, we saw Microsoft start touting Loop, was it called? Loop or something like that last year. I haven't heard squat on that since then. Same. And that's been, what, six months or so? That was Ignite, yeah. So that would have been September. So yeah. was that September 9, 3, about six months, yeah. Yeah, about six months or so. Don't know if that's still in the works, maybe. But I definitely think there's opportunity for new collaborative experiences that Microsoft could use to pave the way that wouldn't just be documents. I Okay, so the loop thing is interesting. I want to come back to the, the extensibility story in just a second because that's another one of my wishes going forward. But the loop thing's interesting. I hear some people are using it. They say how much they enjoy it. But then I'm like, well, wh- how did you get it? Because it sure seemed like that was all vaporware. The demos we saw were, were no demos. They were recorded like presentations. Mm-hmm. And when I've asked people, you and I are in, in a, we have a little side slot group with some friends and some people work for Microsoft. And I remember I asked the question or said something about loop and I shared the perception of somebody from the outside who's got a pretty good, I mean, you and I are on the outside of Microsoft, but we have a pretty very different perspectives from the inside because you have much tighter connections on how Microsoft works and everything from your history working there and your connections. But I found that, you know, your perception and my perception of what Loop is and what Microsoft is trying to do with it, and then hearing the same, hearing perceptions coming back from two different people who work for Microsoft that are in the 365 space that shared what they thought that Microsoft was trying to do with it. And I'm like, look, I'm not saying any one of us is right and any one of us is wrong or which one of us is right and which one is wrong. But the fact that all four or five of us are coming up with something (laughs) totally different says that the messaging sucks. (laughs) If none of us can agree on it and two of us are on the inside and two of us on the outside and we all have different perspectives on it, like (laughs) this isn't like an opinion of who is this for? It's like, we don't really know what this is, what this thing is. It's like, yeah, yeah, true. So true. That's a challenge. But the other one, I do want to touch on one thing about the, the, the developer story, the extensibility story. I think that with, with Microsoft 365, and I'm going to put this in, in the bucket of, I don't really think that Graph really falls into this bucket so much because Graph is just a, I mean, I, 
and maybe trivializing this to the people who work on the graph team, but I just look at graph as a proxy. That's all it is. It's just an API. And yep. to me, that's not, I mean, it's, I don't mean to say that it's not exciting, but it really isn't exciting. It's just an API. There's nothing, it doesn't, it's a means to an end. So when I look at the other extensibility opportunities there, specifically around SharePoint and around Microsoft Teams, I think that the thing that I would like to see from Microsoft much more is a roadmap. And it doesn't have to be a detailed roadmap, but something that actually gives me an idea of where are they trying to go over the next 6, 12, 18 months. And I get you don't want to share everything because you don't want the competitors to know everything and what's going on. But at a certain point, I'd like, it'd be nice to know kind of what, where the focus is. So I know where I need to make my investments or where I should be making my investments or where an ISV wants to make their investments. And then the other thing to me that I really would like to see them focus more on is a commitment and a consistency to their developer story. It still feels like you talk about shipping the org chart. Every time I'm doing stuff like Microsoft development, I feel like every single person that I work with at Microsoft, they are complaining about one of the other teams. And it's like that org chart with all the guns pointed at each other. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's like, you guys, I mean, everybody complains about the problem. It's like, but nobody's doing a damn thing about it. And at Microsoft. And it that's the part that to me, it just feels like specifically in 365, there's no like development kind of SAR or God or whatever overseer of everything that looks at everything and says, yes, we're going to do this. No, we're not going to do this. This makes sense. This doesn't make sense. And have a cohesive story around the whole thing. Yeah. And maybe that's too much to ask. Maybe looking, I look at Google and I see similar kind of things with like, you know, with YouTube and all their APIs at YouTube, they kind of work the same. I see the way that some of their stuff works at, you know, for trying to interact with the G Suite and Drive and everything. And I get it. I get that it's challenging, but it just feels to me like nobody is marching to the same drum or have the same kind of story going forward. And from a developer's point of view, either as one who's just extending or customizing a solution or one who's trying to build things for as an ISV. I just think that from my point of view that the they have so much work to go in that place. Yeah. But they're not incentivized to fix it because they're doing so well. So Yeah, yeah. I don't um, have much Microsoft's, hope in the future on that side. Microsoft historically has not been great at collaborating between teams like to that level to get the outcome the outside world expect. Yeah. Right. They'll often think they're doing the right thing internally, but then the outside world's like, well, what do you mean you doing some weird thing that isn't what we expect, you know? Yeah. But yeah, they almost need like a like a chief architect. Yeah. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. they miss a bit of Gates telling people they're stupid and why are they doing this thing a certain way and you have to go work with this other team. Like maybe a bit of that's missing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, but, you know, overall, absolutely crushing it. Mm-hmm. Amazing business for Microsoft. There's obviously room for improvement. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm just impressed at how far it's come. You know, it's funny. We released our episode on the state of Azure the same day that in the United States, they, we have a thing called the state of the union right. where the president goes before both houses of Congress and, and presents on the state of the union and kind of like their, their view looking forward. And then we're recording this two days later after that state of the union about Microsoft 365. So I guess in keeping with that theme, I'll say that when it comes to 365, the state of Microsoft 365 is strong. That's uh, right. <laughs> it's, it's never been as stronger. It's never been stronger. And the outlook is bright. I'd say the same thing about Azure. Neither one of them are perfect. There's lots of places that they can grow and 
and there's lots of ideas on on how they can do better and how the businesses can expand and grow. But I mean, look, cards on the table. I know I mean, you know, we're things that we're complaining about are picking at to us they're big deals, but I can see somebody at Microsoft looking at it and going, Yeah, I think we're doing fine though. I'm like, Yeah, yeah. I got it. yeah, you are. Yeah. Overall picture, sure. In some places I wish you weren't, them. so you'd actually fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm excited about it. I think they're gonna they're gonna continue the charge and do great things. So I'm looking forward to seeing where they go next. Cool. Well, CJ, how about we do a couple picks? Let's do it. All right. ACs Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. All right, Mr. Johnson, we're going to do some picks this week. I got a pick. You got a pick. I see your pick. Your pick is almost like a, a bit of a throwback, uh, as you and I kind of know the history behind this one. But yeah. Go ahead and, and pitch me your pick. So you know how trying to set up a meeting with people and finding times is super painful, even though we've been complaining about it for what, 20 Ever? years? <laughs> yeah. 20 years in my in my career, at least anyway. Well, a old friend of the show, he used to, he he was one of the co-founders of a email marketing company called Drip. That make well email automation tool mm-hmm. called Drip that they sold has gone on to do other great things and ha- now has a product called SavvyCal S A V V Y C A L and it's one of those tools. It's not unique, right? It is one of those tools that aims to make it easier to set up meetings with other people, but they've got a bit of a different take on it from others. And I've been I've started using it. And I've been quite enjoying it, which is nice. So I just thought I'd give them a, a shout out. If you're looking for, an, for a tool to try, if, you know, things like Calendly and Microsoft's attempts at this have sort of sucked over the years, none of them really seem to be a perfect fit or, or stay around for that long or whatnot. But anyway, Savvy Cal might be able to help you. It's great with multiple calendars. So like it aggregates your calendars. So your free busy time and Savvy Cal can be reflective of all of your calendars, things like that. You can have different links for different types of purposes that you send to people with different settings on them and things like that. They've got a lot of nice, nice features that really help. So I've been enjoying it. Anyway, we have no affiliation to them. I just thought I'd give them a shout out on the show. And this is just one of those things. It's like, how come calendaring across people is not a solved problem? Yeah. Like you need a third party service. And this is, you know, I'm thankful for services like SavvyCal because of this, but this shouldn't exist. Yeah. Right. This shouldn't need to be a thing. No, it should be it, like some sort of big shared metaverse of calendaring that everybody uses <laughs> that, either, that solves this for people. Well, like either that or like, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter what platform your email is on. I can still send you an email very, very easily. Right. It doesn't matter if you're on, if you're on 365 or if you're on Gmail or if you're on, you know, iCloud. None of that stuff matters. And to me, I don't understand why I don't have a similar thing with this, even inside of Microsoft. Like, why can't I sit there? And if I'm in my my Microsoft 365 account, so I'm using my personal email address and that's yeah. in Microsoft 365 or my, my company email address. But to try and be able to, to find some time with someone else at Microsoft, who's even, they have asked me, would you go through and look on my calendar and try and find some time on Microsoft? But I don't want to make my calendar public. Like, can you share somehow make it easy to share your calendar with me? Or is there an easy way to say, 
let's collaborate. And I somehow like send invites out and you kind of give me a time boxed access to your calendar instead of, you know, this way now it's, this still isn't even an option for that, right? It's all of my calendars all together in one spot, but why not go through and let me see that inside of Teams? Or is imagine, imagine, so imagine the world where Microsoft did that for all 365 tenants, right? Yeah. Where you could just see people's free busy, right? Yeah. If you added them and, and people could opt into that, right? So you could keep it private sure. if you wanted, but make it really easy to maybe just with your contacts or something yeah. like that. People you've emailed previously, make it possible, something like that. And then, Imagine if Google and Microsoft got together and went, let's do free busy sharing across tenants, across tenancies, across clouds. You'd have like 95% of the world covered just like that. Yeah. And it doesn't even seem like, that's even something that seems like an ISV could offer. Like if, I, if, if you and I are sitting here, like I'm assuming you're on 365. Yeah. So you and I are on 365. If I want to be able to share my calendar with you or just at least share my availability, I could share my, I'm going to break it up. Instead of it being free busy, I'm going to share my busy side with you, right? Because we're friends, we're close. I don't mind you seeing like what my calendar looks like. That, maybe you don't see all the details around the items, but you can see like, okay, I can see where your gaps are in your calendar. But then maybe somebody else that I'm working with, I don't want them, they don't want me to see all of their, how busy their calendar is. They'd rather just say, eh, you know, I'm only, I only want to give you some time on like Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon. So instead, you share me your free side. I'll share you my busy side. You share my free side. There's a difference or there's a union between the two, mm. right? Mm. Or an intersection between the two of where we can actually schedule something and have some real options there. That's the part that I would, it's just, but I mean, that's, that's the story that we have with like 365 is that everything is so in my tenant base. And so I can see when everybody's available in my tenant. So yeah. if I want to do some work with Microsoft, I got to jump to my VDash account on a separate laptop, look, try and create an event, find out when they're available, then look at my calendar. Where am I available? Like, oh, hey, this works. Now I'll go through and I'll send you an invite from my calendar. It's like The problem is like to really solve this, it's got to be done pretty deeply, right? Like an ISV like Savvy Cal have, have got a great solution given the tools that are on offer, mm-hmm. right? But it requires users to opt in, sign up, consent to their data, you know, to get calendar access, whatnot, through graph. It's an excellent solution using the tools that they've got. Mm-hmm. But that's still too much friction for the average person to do. And so Microsoft and Google need to solve this. Yep. Anyway, yep. in the interim, <laughs> you've got Savvy Cal. Cal can help. Yeah. Anyway, go check it out and uh, shout out to Derek who runs Savvy Cal or founded Savvy Cal, I should say for building a pretty sweet product. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been following Derek. I've been following Derek and like the venture that he started after he did uh, the one prior that he was trying to build a Slack replacement, a Slack competitor that didn't go so well, but... Yeah, yeah. hey, you win some, you lose some, but uh, he seems to be on something with Savvy Cal. Yep, absolutely. How about you? What do you got for us this week? So mine is a little bit different. Well, it's very different. It's uh, something for developers. So... um, so some people may be familiar with these this concept of like Jupyter notebooks for being able to to create like interactive visualizations of like a like a a file that has usually it's Python that is in that you have different separate like sections to inside the document. So you've got a bunch of like content that you've written, but then you have a live section of the document that allows you to go run like a Python program to maybe visualize some data, pull it from some external source, and show it in a graph. Think like, to me, this is kind of like those dashboards we have 
in Azure for app insights and being able to write queries to pull data in these different live experiences. Jupyter Notebooks has really kind of turned into being something like this as a replacement for that, like almost like the, the dashboards we had in Azure were a little bit before their time. Now we have these notebooks inside of Azure that are Jupyter Notebooks. Well, you're still kind of limited on the, on the languages that you can use. We have the same thing inside of VS Code, but somebody like me who doesn't know Python, a little bit challenging. Well, this extension called the Node.js notebook for uh, notebooks for VS Code, what it does is it effectively allows you to create like a little REPL experience for Node.js in notebooks so that you can run things like JavaScript, TypeScript, all in a Node.js environment. And that allows you to have a notebook inside of uh, VS Code. So think like Think like a readme file inside of a repo, but it's showing like live data when you open it inside of VS Code. And it's all running in based on Node and JavaScript based. So to me, I saw this, I've tried it out a little bit. I haven't done a lot with it, but it's it's pretty cool. It's not um, it's got over 8,700 installs. So it's not like it's a, a, a flash in the pan. A, yeah. It was first released early in February or in February of 2021. So it's about a year old. And it's already up to uh, version 2.6 or 2.0.6 with the most recent update about two, three months ago. So that's cool. It is. It's pretty cool. So there's a cool little animated video that I'll have that's a a link to the marketplace listing for Visual Studio Code. And there's a little animated video that actually shows it running um, that you can take a look at creating graphs and charts and stuff inside of your inside of your notebook. So I've tried it about some of the stuff with my course to where when I open up a, a chapter for one of my courses, it allows me, it goes and fetches the stats, the viewing stats for that chapter from my video platform and shows it right in line. So it's pretty cool to be a seal in one spot. That's nice. Yeah. Excellent. That's that's my pick. Very cool. Well, cool CJ. So that's our picks. Yeah. That's the state of Microsoft 365 as well. Indeed. And we will hit a bit of a milestone next week. 450. It's a big, it's a big milestone. I think we got, we got some, I'm looking forward to that episode. Me too. I can tell you, you will not want to miss that episode. If you're a regular (laughs) listener to the show, you will not want to miss it. CJ and I have got some stuff that we're, uh, we got some stuff planned. For sure. For sure. I look forward to it. We will see everybody next week. Absolutely. Take care, bud. You too. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find out about our show and grow the audience, and we would really appreciate it. If you got a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or an MP3 and provide a link to it so that we can play your question on the show. You can also subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website, microsoftcloudshow.com. You'll get notices of each new episode as well as the show notes sent directly to you each week. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening.